Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I love episodes like today. There is nothing that I love more than getting to meet a new designer and finding incredibly talented and cool people that I just know should be on our radar. And this duo today does nothing short of that. They make me feel so inspired by the fashion industry and just really excited about where it's heading. So meet Ashley and Moya, the co-founders behind a New York-based accessories label called Asha, and the first duo to ever collaborate with Michael Kors. Since founding the brand in 2017, Ashley and Moya have carved out a very unique space for themselves in the industry. Through their best friendship and their travels around the world, from in India to Guatemala, They design with the hands-free traveler in mind, creating a collection of beautiful, luxurious, and utilitarian bags that have won them a CFDA award and made them a recipient of the Accessories Council Elaine Gold Launchpad Fellowship. So it's no surprise and in honor of Michael Kors' 40th anniversary, the fashion mogul picked a New York-based brand himself to celebrate the occasion, collaborating on two exclusive bags that have given the emerging designers a global platform and a titan in the industry, the opportunity to showcase the next generation of talent. In this episode, Ashley and Moya share the work ethic that's needed by young designers, their thoughts on the ever-changing industry, and how to stay true to your brand identity. I hope you guys love this episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts, and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Here are my friends, Ashley and Moya. So how are you guys? You are coming off like the craziest week. What a high. I'm sure that you have so much like incredible energy right now. Definitely. I feel still amazed, Mm -hmm. still super excited, still proud and just ready to to, to fly Mm -hmm. like a butterfly. Yeah. (laughs) The two of you have such an incredible story and I, I really loved getting to learn more about your brand. I feel like living in New York is so exciting in and of itself. But the more and more that you get into the fashion industry, it's almost like when you get to meet a new brand, it is so exciting and so invigorating. And I am always really grateful to meet two new creative, incredible people. So I would love to hear about how the two of you met. Well, Moya and I are longtime friends and we actually met as classmates at the Fashion Institute of Technology. We both studied advertising and marketing communications there. 
I mean, we essentially met by sitting across the classroom from one another. And our professor at the beginning of the semester asked us to choose partners for this project that we had to create together. We ended up creating a magazine or something. And I think Moy and I saw each other and we're kind of like, uh, I think, yeah, we definitely- I think this is my person. <laughs> instinctively chose each other yeah okay so you're obviously my partner yeah it was one of those like crushes that I had like a like a girl crush in school where Mm -hmm. I'm just like she's so stylish she's so cute I think we should be friends (laughs) okay great opportunity to become friends with this person on this project yeah I I feel like you were definitely like my first official girl crush (laughs) absolutely like that's that's how I mean you're still my girl crush Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I love this. What an honor to like meet and work and collaborate with your girl crush. We stayed on our path in terms of, you know, after college, we ended up living together for some time. We started traveling together a lot. So it's just like we, we built a friendship. Mm-hmm. And then that evolved into us wanting to collaborate on our endeavors and our dreams and goals, you know, and I feel like there was just like a lot of overlap in terms of what we wanted to do, especially as two Black women in this industry. So that was invigorating as well in terms of like just dream sharing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's nothing better than having a best friend who you also are in similar industries with. You guys also have similar visions, similar dreams, and just that like shareability aspect of it. Like I have a friend who the two of us are in fashion together and our entire text exchange is just like ideas, ideas, things we love. Like, and that it just feels like, it almost feels like a collaborative, like Pinterest board come to life. It's just, it, and it also like, it feels so supportive. I am so grateful for that friendship and so grateful for that sounding board. I think everybody needs a person like that in their life. A thousand percent. I I 100% agree, especially when you're stepping out into your careers. You know, Moya and I, when we left um, FIT, we both went away on our perspective, like fashion business career paths. And so not only was it just like sharing ideas, it was also being a support system to each other during that process of acclimating to like the workspace and corporate America and small businesses and really learning what we liked and what we didn't like and needing to learn how to navigate all the personalities within fashion. You know, we had each other to bounce, you know, off of and be sounding boards for each other. So I think that that also was an opportunity for us to develop just alignment and what we wanted for ourselves professionally. And then with, you know, as far as mood boarding is concerned, I think over time we just realized that we literally like all the same things. <laughs> like if you if you look at our Pinterest board or our Instagram saves. It's, it's not a shared <laughs> Pinterest board by any means. No. We have our own, but like we'll share what we have on our individual boards. And it's just like. It's the same exact the same thing. thing. So it almost <laughs> was just like it doesn't make sense for us to not work together. We share so many passions and dreams professionally and have really complementary experience prior to starting the brand. So I think creatively, it was just a no-brainer, but also on like the business side of things, it also was a smart decision, I feel, because we have really complementary professional backgrounds. I love to hear that because something I always ask on this show when I have like an incredible duo who comes on I'm like, and I've had people who have come on who like, they're married and they also run a business together. And I'm like, guys, 
tell us, like, tell us what it's really like, like give us the ins and outs. But I love to hear that there's this really nice kind of synergy between the two of you where you guys have the same interests, but you have different expertise. And I think that that's where the bread and butter really comes from. Right. To add to that, I think the value system is very important. Yes. Just are there a bunch of overlaps? And I feel like because we share so many similarities in terms of like what we believe in, um, our foundation is solid. I feel like, you know, that's definitely what helps push us through. Yeah. I I think that that ends up making or breaking friendship building businesses, friendships that lead to new businesses because you have to learn in the process of building anything together, whether or not your value systems align. So I think that's why I think we're in the long game, you know, like we have the ability to navigate lots of challenges together because ultimately we want the same things on a personal level in Mm -hmm. life. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you are a fan of good tasting, efficacious CBD, I have a phenomenal code for you. Better Conditions is a family owned CBD company whose only goal is to help you feel better. It was started by two sisters for their grandma, who was having a really hard time finding quality CBD products when she was battling breast cancer. There is such an amazing story behind this brand, and their CBD is organic, third-party lab-tested, and made with all natural ingredients. Here's what I love most about Better Conditions. There's something for everyone. For the past few weeks, I've been taking their strawberry lemonade CBD gummies, but they also have a CBD oil and soft gels. So however you like to get your daily dose, there's something for you. Recently, I've actually been doing their CBD oil in cool mint flavor in my coffee every morning, and I love the flavor. It's a really nice kick to start my day, and I also cannot tell you how much calmer I felt by starting my day off with CBD. But you can take better condition products at any point throughout the day or several times a day and get the relief you need. CBD provides so many benefits from helping improve sleep, to relieving anxiety, chronic pain, and so much more. As a loyal listener of the podcast, Better Conditions is giving you 40% off site-wide with code FRIEND. And your purchase is risk-free. So give it a try because you are not going to regret it. www.thebetterconditions.com and enter code FRIEND at checkout for 40% off. Now let's get back to the show. Your business is super specific. And I think to come together on something that is, is quite specific is something that feels really rare, unique, and special. So I would love to hear a little bit about how that spark happened to go specifically into belt bags. So where that ultimately started for us is when we really started traveling as friends together. And this was, you know, an early period in terms of like the inception of the brand, I would say that was around like maybe 2014 when we started um, brainstorming, thinking about what could we do together. And once we started traveling, we realized that there was this void, there was this white space in the industry where we weren't finding these elevated bag styles where we wanted to be hands-free on our trips. You know, the trips that we went on, we definitely took the road less traveled, lots of adventure. And it just wasn't practical to be walking around and exploring with like a dainty handbag 
in your hand. Totally. And we were just like, you know, where can we find like a really beautiful, luxurious bag that's at a contemporary price point that we can get that doesn't look like a fanny pack from a mom wearing something in Disney World. No shade, but that's just not... You know, that's just not our aesthetic. Um, So when we got back from our, you know, our trips, it was just like, you know, I think this would be a really good opportunity for us to explore this as a, you know, like a a, a design business. I think that we could really do this. And I think by the time that we launched, funny enough, we were on the same page with a lot of people in the industry. There were (laughs) lots of belt bags that were more elevated that became more present in the market Mm -hmm. from when we first started thinking about it. So yeah, they were making their way onto the runways and we're like, oh, well, I guess we were timely with this launch. We launched with just two styles specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Moya and I tend to be just very directional in everything that we're doing and didn't want to overdo it in the beginning. You know, we're entirely self-funded and We wanted to test the market before expanding as a brand. And our launch event was a friends and family event where we previewed the collection to our immediate community and also just the context that we collected while working in the fashion industry. So the only buyer who showed up to the event was the buyer from the Standard Hotels at the time and wow. that was our first retailer yeah so the shop it, at the standard the hotel. shop at the standard hotel so it just felt like we were moving in the right direction because we really wanted to find this niche space that sat in between the fashion industry but also the travel industry so to have a retailer within a hotel line pick us up for the first time was really affirming mm-hmm. i really appreciate what you guys are doing because when i think about fanny packs and belt bags i really and i don't know if you guys agree with this but i feel like they had a really big moment when the feminist movement was having a major uptick and i feel like there was such a beautiful kind of correlation and story there for women who wanted to be on the go didn't want to wear this like hefty masculine backpack didn't want something that maybe felt like as you said, small and dainty, but felt like something that was utilitarian for women on the go, for women that had busy jobs and were ambitious and out and about every day. And I really correlate those two things together. And I loved seeing fanny packs just like come to the forefront of, as you said, runways and editorials. And to me, it felt like this kind of like symbol of freedom to be hands-free and go about your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I think you've you've summed it up in such a... Fantastic way. I mean, I think we th- we thought about ourselves, you know, when yeah. designing and even as we're expanding the line and incorporating bags that might not necessarily be belt bags, and but we still consider them to be unisex and travel friendly because there's this idea of gender fluidity in our design process, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily ascribing uh, to what is expected for a businesswoman or a creative or any 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 person you know, per se, we never were the dainty handbag girl. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to design things that made sense for our lifestyle as well. So you nailed it on the head. For any people right now that are listening that might be starting a brand, I think something that is really captivating to me about your business is the fact that you guys have found your expertise and you've stuck to it. And I think in today's fashion world, it's really easy to see 
it's rampant to see so many brands, you know, launch with something, a skew that they're, you know, really, really good at. They've gone in and specialized, but then they'll expand their product selections to other things. And then eventually they just become a brand like so many other brands. And I would love to hear a little bit about your experience in finding that one thing and sticking to it and keeping that as your brand DNA. Well, it's interesting that you bring up that point because that's something that you know, we were taught in school, in fashion and design school, that you stick with something, um, you get really good at it, that's what you become known for. And I do feel that that still rings true. But in terms of like where we are as a brand, we're still young. You know, there's still lots of things for us to learn and explore within a design that can take us into different materials. So we don't want to necessarily rush the, the process. I think we've gotten really good at understanding construction and understanding how to bring a bag to life. But the, I feel like the end goal is for us is to be able to scale, you know, and for us to see significant growth. And even though we might do something really well, I think that there's so many ways of reimagining what a fashion brand can look like. And it doesn't necessarily have to be so product focused. There's so many ways and arms to, to a business. And I think that's something that I'm excited about exploring in the future, especially when, you know, we're able to get some investment and scale as a company. <laughs> Ooh, is, that a, is that in the pipeline? It is. It is. That is the next thing on our to-do list. Mm -hmm. And what we're currently working on is, you know, we're in search of investment. Every business needs cash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Takes money to make money. money. Think that was the biggest, that what you said right there is the thing that rings in my brain every single day. The moment that as a business owner myself, I have to say to myself, all the time that it takes money to make money. You have to invest in certain things to get some sort of return. And it's moments like that, that I feel like actually take you to the next level of your business. It's scary as hell. Like it's terrifying. You're taking a pretty big risk, but it's in that moment that you're giving yourself the ability to level up. Yeah, 100%. I think going into those conversations is really important to define, define what your value system is as a brand. So that scalability continues to look the same. You know, we can grow as a company, but we always want there to be a certain filtering system by through which we're making decisions. You know, whether it's our design decisions, everything must be utilitarian, everything must be adjacent to the travel space or travel friendly, you know, everything must be gender fluid. You know, there's just like certain things that we know when going into all the decisions that we're making around what we're creating and what we want to put out into the world. And we can scale that business and incorporate new product offerings, but everything will always have to go through that filtering system. Okay. Let's like shark tank this for a second. What <laughs> would you guys, I couldn't even laugh at my own joke. What would you guys use the money for? We would use the money to grow our team. Yeah. Um, we'd use the money to invest in paid marketing strategy. And we would use the money for product development, something that we know is just necessary for us to grow is to have more of a diversity of minds on our team. Totally. Um, to have support with management, which, you know, would require investment. And then also just to you know, have varied experiences here on the team because we know what we know, but we know we don't know everything. Exactly. And it is 
bandwidth and definitely diversifying thought and experience. So putting it out there so we can manifest that for 2022. I love that. Well, we'll join in on the manifestation for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We'll be right back after a quick break. Lately, I've been really focused on my brain health. As an entrepreneur who has a thousand things on my plate, it is really hard for me to focus sometimes, and I often lose energy so quickly. Can you relate? To anyone who's struggling with focus, energy, or motivation, here's something you should know. It's not you. It's your brain. I started taking Thesis, which is a personalized supplement, to help me take control of my mind and create habits that last and give me a boost. Thesis makes personalized supplement formulas that are specifically designed to boost cognitive function. It's based on the science of nootropics, which are natural and powerful ingredients like caffeine, ginseng, and B12 that increase productivity, focus, energy, and mental clarity. You'll feel energized without the crash and cut through brain fog to think clearly. Or you'll get a little bit of motivation to find your flow. Head online to take their three-minute quiz. And Thesis will recommend high-quality nootropic formulas that are unique to you and your goals. My formula included nootropics that help with clarity, motivation, energy, and creativity, which are all things that I need for a day like today, bouncing from emails to a podcast to a photo shoot and then more emails. Over 60,000 entrepreneurs, lawyers, engineers, busy professionals, and parents have used Thesis to get better results at work and home. So imagine what you could do with Thesis. Right now, Thesis is offering our listeners 10% off your first starter kit when you visit takethesis.com backslash friend. Go to takethesis.com backslash friend to take the quiz and discover your unique nootropic combination and save 10% off your first starter kit. That's takethesis.com backslash friend. And make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Now let's get back to the show. I was really inspired in learning more about your brand, how so much of it is inspired by your travels. I learned that the brand itself was actually inspired by a trip that you guys took to South India. And I would love to hear a little bit about your travels together and how that experience and those inspirations show up in your bags. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when we launched the brand, the intention was for us to be globetrotters. every year. But the last two years of us building and developing Aja, we've been in the midst of this pandemic. So that lens has, I guess, just broadened in how we can engage with the rest of the world. But I think it's mostly like how we want to move fluidly, you know, when we travel and thinking about what that means as far as our design is concerned, but also the types of content that we're creating and the visuals that we're putting out as a part of our brand, just being a bit more worldly in our presentation just overall. But I think, you know, India in particular was really one of those like you pray love trips where we met up with friends of ours that were coming off the back of a yoga teacher training program. So once we met up in the Southern coast of India, it was very much a very introspective trip where we were in the early days of becoming women and also just exploring ideas around who we wanted to be, you know, as entrepreneurs, as creators, and also just how we wanted to move around the world when we did get to experience other cultures. So I think just the combination of all those things and us hopping on mopeds and going from the beach to the market and also being introduced to many artisans on the way, you know, I think that all had um, 
an impact on the way that we thought about not only just being designers, but as creatives. Yeah, and I think that it doesn't necessarily always have to directly tie into the product, but I think a large part of it for us running this company is being able to use Aja as a platform to be able to share and tell stories. And I think those are the one that's one of the things that still gets me really excited and inspired by. And I think that the stories that we're so keen on and and so moved by is, is definitely stories of black and brown indigenous cultures. And it's something that we hope and aspire to continue to create and share so that we can just evolve our understanding of the world. Yeah, like Ashley said, it's been a very interesting experience not being able to engage with it in the in the way that we intended when we first launched because two years out of us running this business has been in, in a pandemic but you know it just gives us we just have to stay agile and mm -hmm. consistently know how to pivot and I think it becomes easier to do that as a smaller company so no stress <laughs> <laughs> I want to get your own advice on that specifically because I do think that there's been a, a very strong reckoning in fashion with a lot of brands that do travel the world and utilize the culture, the stories of other cultures for their marketing initiatives. I think that you guys are a beautiful case study of how to do it respectfully. And I loved learning more about you guys and going on your YouTube and seeing the stories that you guys have brought to the brand from Guatemala and South India and to me, I think that is a, is a truly beautiful way to, to pay tribute to cultures and communities around the world. But I do think a lot of brands out there are doing it wrong. So as two designers who are paying homage in a beautiful way, what is your piece of advice for those people in, in maybe doing a little bit better? <laughs> well, I mean, thank you. I really appreciate that. There's always this unknown you know, we don't know whether or not we're going to do everything the right way. We're still humans. We're still mm -hmm. fallible, you know, and I think that that is the way we approach things as two individuals that don't know everything and that are not the authority on everyone's culture. <laughs> and I think that that should be the way that everyone as a creative who is drawing inspiration from their own community or communities outside of their own is to go into it humble, you know, knowing that you don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> that no one can tell their story better than the community or people who you're asking to share their story with you themselves. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the fashion industry is very layered. And when you go into it professionally, you may not always know all of the roles and positions that exist, but within these companies, there's so many different touch points when creating campaigns and putting things out into the world. It's not, you know, just the designer who's thinking about this inspiration. There's also the creatives that are behind photo shoots and film shoots and, you know, that are creating the ad campaigns or writing copywriters that are writing copy on social, like making sure that there's inclusion of the communities you're drawing inspiration from in those teams is also important. Like we can't just have one person of color on an executive level and assume that that's going to trickle down to everyone inside of the company. And so I think the benefit of being small is that, you know, this is how we approach things. 
trying to come from just a, a place of humility and knowing that we can even get it wrong telling our own story, you know, mm-hmm. telling stories about the African-American and the Caribbean community because we only have our individual life experiences to reference, but we're small. So yeah. there's only so many people that approvals need to go through. But as you grow, it's just, I think, you know, what we were saying before, just having a diversity of thought on teams is so important, but at every level. I mean, I feel like we've approached our brand as curious people, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think everyone that is joining us on this journey and following what we're doing, they're learning as we learn. Mm -hmm. Like we're sharing things as we learn. We've approached it very academically. (laughs) So you know, I, I would just say that we're still at the very early stages of defining what Aja is, but it will always be through this cur- this like curious lens. And will continuously be an evolution. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys were at a pretty exciting point right now. Just last week, you had a collaboration come out with Michael Kors. To be the first collaboration that Michael Kors has ever done on its 40th anniversary is such a triumph. And to see your brand on a global stage must be absolutely incredible and and feel so rewarding. I would love to hear about how this incredible meeting came together. How did you guys get in touch with Michael Kors? At the top of 2020, someone from the Michael Kors team, uh, a top exec had reached out to us and said, you know, Michael Kors wants to to take uh, a meeting with you. And I thought it was a spam email for a second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we did. We both looked at each other like, did you see that? <laughs> it's always a spam email. Everyone always thinks the email is a spam email. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was, yeah. It was quite interesting. And mm-hmm. we we had the meeting with one of their execs. And, you know, she, she shared with us how impressed he is with our design sensibilities and just our, our vision, especially as a young brand. And would just love to meet with us and Mm -hmm. talk about a potential collaboration. And, you know, if we're interested, she could set up a call as soon as like a few days. Yeah. So I think we were on Zoom with Michael within three days of that call. Mm -hmm. Wow. When we got on the call with Michael, he was just so knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. our brand, knowledgeable about our approach. And I think just understood us so correctly Mm -hmm. that it was kind of a no-brainer for us to do a partnership with him specifically because as a brand that's been trying to define ourselves for some time, we've had a lot of hurdles and we've encountered a lot of folks that didn't understand what we were trying to do, Mm -hmm. that didn't understand our design language or what how our bags necessarily or our our business per se could be scalable, but to meet someone that's so seasoned and experienced in the fashion space. I mean, he's an icon. (laughs) No, he's an icon. He is absolute icon. And also just like someone that every time I see him, I just want to give him a really big hug. Like he's so... He almost feels to me, you know, I moved to New York in 2012, like, I've immediately fell in love with fashion in New York. And he's always kind of felt like this like omnipresent person who has just championed so many people. And I, I truly admire what he's built so much. And I, you know, during the pandemic, I was 
really obviously invest, I think all of us were invested in, in giving back and finding ways to support our communities and seeing the way that he supported the theater community. Like, I, I just think that he is such an integral piece of Manhattan and I, I have nothing but respect for him as a person. We feel the same. I think that Michael Kors takes up a lot of space, you know, yeah. globally, but even down to him being a personal individual, it's taken up space and not in a way that's like intimidating right. or scary right. or I'm a boss bitch, you know, type <laughs> of thing. And I think that that's like a, that's a, a really terrible thing that I think the fashion community has had to overcome was it is still this feeling of intimidation and behind the veil and secrecy. And Michael is the opposite of that. He is come wear my clothes, feel beautiful. It's for everyone around the world. Right, right, right. You feel like you are talking to a person and you are completely engaged in what they're saying. He's completely engaged in what you're saying. So in terms of, you know, our first meeting with him, like Ashley said, it was an absolute no-brainer because I think that the chemistry was just there. I think we just cracked jokes for half of the meeting. Right. And then for the rest of the meeting, we talked about what designing together would look like. Sounds like a dream meeting. Dream meeting. That design process must have been exhilarating. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that meeting, especially as a brand with such a unique and strong identity that you have, but that also Michael Kors has. I would love to hear a little bit about what it was like going into that room and advocating for your ideas, making sure that your brand identity still stayed there, especially for so many people listening right now that are fashion lovers, might be starting their own brand. Like no matter what happens, no matter who pops in your email, how do you stay true to who you are? Yeah, I mean, I think that at the beginning of the conversations, there was this respect, you know, with us mutually that Mm -hmm. I think, led our relationship through and through. Mm -hmm. We felt really trusted throughout the process. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of time where we were able to step away and work on our own and come back and walk through our ideas with Michael directly. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a hundred person Zoom call where everyone was giving feedback. I think he, he did a really good job of making us feel like you know, protected from an overwhelming process. Mm-hmm. We were able to give design direction throughout the process. And he gave us really valuable just feedback and advice mm-hmm. around functionality, you know, what customers like, what mm-hmm. works well for his brand, mm-hmm. feedback on the print that we designed mm-hmm. for the collaboration you know, his initial thoughts were that we want this to feel very much like Aja. And so, you know, knowing that we had a timeline that we were working on and we wanted it to feel very much like us, you know, the first approach was to use bodies or styles and silhouettes that were signature to our brand. You know, we've never been presented on such a global scale before. So we wanted, if we were going to do this collaboration for it to be beneficial for both businesses and be identifiably Aja because we're still defining who we are. We're not necessarily a household name, (laughs) you know? So that was, you know, something that was taken very well. And then also the designing of this print, you know, when we think about 
creating a heritage brand and speaking to this idea of longevity. We wanted to create something that felt like it was a staple, not just something that was seasonal and that would be fleeting, but something that people would want to buy and keep forever. And also something that was respectful of our culture, but also honoring Michael's legacy. Mm -hmm. And so when we designed the print, it was very much like, how do we create something that even if not everyone understands it or cares about it, but that is specific to this moment for both of us, this milestone for both of us, because this is our global coming out. But yeah, like we're both of African descent and we wanted to honor our heritage, you know? And so like we do everything else, we approached it very academically and went to the books. You know, what can we create aesthetically that has value? Um, Yeah, and I don't want to necessarily just say that it was just academic. I think it is mm -hmm. also very intentional. Mm -hmm. I think that in a lot of the work and all that we create, we want to give purpose and meaning to it. And I think that with this process with Michael Kors, it was a perfect marrying of the two because he, you know, wanted to work with signature styles of ours and, you know, marrying his signature logo print. And I think that, you know, we just wanted to make it make sense and not just, okay, you're a cool upcoming brand make something great and cool looking for us is just like, no, how can we make this a value of meaning to both brands? And I think, you know, that's what we were able to achieve with the print exploration that we did. As soon as we entered the conversation, it was trust, respect, and just appreciation for what we've been doing. So, yeah. I'm sure that Michael is full of incredible advice and words of wisdom that you take with you forever. Is there something that you remember him saying during the process of this collaboration that you both will hold to heart forever? <laughs> um, during one of our design meetings, he said repetition is reputation. That must have hit home so hard for you guys. In so many different ways. I mean, yeah. the consistency is so important, mm -hmm. especially as like a small business. I don't know, you can interpret it in, in so many different ways. But the way that, you know, I definitely saw it is mm -hmm. for me personally and for us to just mm -hmm. keep on track, mm -hmm. stay on course, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just keep going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there you build your reputation as a brand and they're going to be, there's going to be so many hurdles as a business. And I think that what this process has reminded me and reminded us is that we should just definitely stay the course. Stay the course. Keep focused. And not let, not allow this pressure of just rapid growth, mm -hmm. the pressure of, you know, social media and instant success make you feel like you have to do more than what you're ready for or comfortable with. And I think, you know, working to a degree in our silo and not allowing those pressures to influence us too much in this industry has allowed us to kind of just stay focused. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that's very important for so many people to hear right now, including myself, who sit on Instagram sometimes and feel like I am alone in my house <laughs> and, and not doing all the things I need to be doing. <laughs> right, That's what right, Instagram right. does. It makes you feel like you're not doing enough. 
But again, those are the highlight reels of everyone's life and their Mm -hmm. successes. And that's okay. Everyone's path is their own path. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just remembering that you've got your own journey and not to to try to mimic anyone else's. Yeah, so stay focused, guys. (laughs) I feel like so good from this conversation. And I, I really loved hearing your story and your journey. And and I'm so excited for this current chapter for you guys and this collaboration. I'm very honored to say that we are in Europe, Asia, wow. um, Africa. We're, we're all over the globe. So truly grateful, humbled, excited. So wherever you are, wherever your listeners are, I'm sure they'll be able to get uh, hands on, on the bags. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.